Welcome to Monday Morning Critic Podcast. Here is Derek Thomas. Kiss me once, then kiss me twice, then kiss me once again. It's been a long, long time. Haven't felt like this, my dear. Welcome to the Monday Morning Critic Podcast. I am indeed Derek Thomas. For those of you that have been listening, thank you for coming back. Those of you that are here for the first time, thank you for joining me. Um, typically, my podcast deals with interviews, right? Whether it's directors or actors or screenwriters or cinematographers, the list is on and on. And I've been going strong for about four years, and there's, I've kind of wanted to break it up for a long time into two segments, right? One, basically doing the interviews that I love, but then a segment that kind of looks at movies in a broader scope. One that doesn't involve another person, just me kind of in my take, my reflection of movies. I was doing a little bit of this with um, reviews. I was doing a 20-minute movie review, and I loved it. And I had a couple that I still didn't publish. But but I really felt that there was another level, another place personally that I wanted to go. I wanted to not only review movies, but give my opinions, my take, break them down, kind of go even further. And for those in the Massachusetts area, for those in the New England area, there was a show, I want to say it was in the 80s, early 90s. I think it's better, late 80s is closer, where it was, it was a channel called TV 38. And one of the coolest shows on TV 38 was a show called The Movie Loft. And what the host did, the host name is Dana Hersey. And what he did was he would show a movie of the week and then give his analysis. So to kind of make my point even more clear, let me play you a clip of Dana Hersey, who's phenomenal. I, I, have, I watched him every week. And he's talking about Steven Spielberg's movie Duel, right? It's the one about the crazy trucker that is chasing this guy for the whole movie. It's captivating. It's one of the best movies, right, that... I don't think many people talk about, but it's certainly Spielberg's um, springboard into where he's where he is currently today. So I'd like to play you a brief clip of what the movie loft, TV 38 and Dana Hersey were. Right. It's just Dana talking about Steven Spielberg. It's like 30 seconds just to give you an idea of the type of show this was. This is the film which first brought young Steven Spielberg wide acclaim and marked him as a filmmaker to be reckoned with. It is the tale of an ordinary salesman's extraordinary drive through the West, chronicling his relentless torment at the hands of an unseen, malevolent trucker bent on destroying Weaver and his little red compact. Truly a dynamic film tonight. Duel. Buckle up and hang on. Hopefully that gives you an idea of what the movie loft was. And, and that just was just in New England, right? I'm sure every part of the country had a similar type of show, right? There, there's no question about that. But Dana Hersey had this wonderful voice. 
He had this wonderful analysis. He had this passion for movies. And to complement all of that was this awesome theme they used for the movie loft. So you put that all together. And it's just so old school. It's so awesome. And in any way possible, I said to myself, it really got the juices flowing. Because I said, I've been looking for a way to expand my 20-minute movie review. And how cool would it be just to attempt? And hopefully it works. If it doesn't, then at least I've tried. But I think it will. Um, update it. Make a 2020 version of what the movie loft is, right? With the exception of I'm not going to play the movie for you. So... I could give the analysis part and just really make it much more than just a movie review. Make it a really heartfelt analysis of all movies, whether they were released in 2020 or whether they were released in 1963. Just a breakdown of some of the best movies that have certainly impacted me. And in my own way, in the best way I can do it, just give a 2020 version of the movie Loft. That all being said... My very first movie is the 2019 smash hit Avengers Endgame. Enjoy. He used the stones again. Hey, we'd be going in shorthanded, you know? Look, he's still got the stones, so... So let's get him. Use them to bring everyone back. Just like that. Yeah, just like that. Even if there's a, a small chance that we can undo this, I mean, we owe it to everyone who's not in this room to try. If we do this, how do we know it's gonna end any differently than it did before? Because before you didn't have me. Hey, new girl, everybody in this room is about that superhero life. And if you don't mind my asking, where the hell have you been all this time? There are a lot of other planets in the universe. And unfortunately, they didn't have you guys. I like this one. Let's go get this son of a bitch. That is from Avengers Endgame, which came out in 2019. Avengers Endgame is directed by Anthony and Joe Russo. It currently has an 8.4 on IMDb with over 730,000 votes. And quite truthfully, as somebody who absolutely adores and loves Star Wars... Um, Endgame is everything Star Wars should have been. Um, this movie, from start to finish, is just fantastic. And while I saw it opening weekend, I don't think I fully appreciated how phenomenal this movie was until later on, re-watching it and re-watching it. Um, even to the point where, you know, where I, ru I run every day, and when I run now, instead of listening to music, I have now listened to movies as I run. So I'm listening to the dialogue. And it's just so well done. It is just, it's an all-star team of actors. And I, and I feel like Avengers is almost like 10 short stories among this big spectrum. And all these different stories add up to just what is honestly close to perfection. It is as good a superhero movie as you can get. Personally, I like the Dark Knight series, the, the Batman series from Christopher Nolan. I think those three movies for me are the best. But truthfully, if somebody was to make the argument that the Avengers were, 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 was the best superhero movie of all time, I, I certainly would not scoff at that. I, that's certainly a, a, um, a very formidable point. 
And while Avengers is an all-star team of actors, it really is. I mean, it's just from one to 100 on the cast list are just absolutely top-notch. I'm becoming frustrated with these celebrity cameos in movies. Um, if, for example, in this movie, Matthew Barry, the ESPN fantasy uh, quote-unquote guru, makes an appearance. Um, uh, Yvette Nicole Brown, who seems to hijack every fan base, um, she just, I mean, truthfully, and it's been like this for some years now, she gets under my skin a little bit. And I try not, to, on my podcast, I try not to be negative. I try not to bring the hater aid. It's definitely not what I'm about. It's definitely not what my podcast is about. But she just really gets under my skin. She's an actor who is a super fan and wants you to know she is the biggest fan of every series. So, for example, in The Walking Dead, she brings a notebook. She lets you know that she's the best fan. And for the rest of the fans, you're you're just second. You're all, The rest of you are playing for second place. And she does. The, she did the same thing in, in um, I think it's the Once Upon a Time show. And it's like, now she's in the Marvel Universe. It's like, is there something we can enjoy that you don't have to claim and, and pretend is yours? I mean, it's just very infuriating. I, I am, I'm, truthfully, and I have been from, from for a long time, I am Yvette Nicole Brown out. I am certainly Matthew Buried out. Just please let the product stand on its own. Give those parts to actors who are, you know, who really have gone to school, who have, who really want to be a part of something. And I know Yvette Nicole Brown's an actor. I, I know that. I'm not condemning her acting ability. I'm sure it's phenomenal. But as a fan perspective, I'm just saying her as a fan, it's just unnerving because she has to have her fingerprints on everything. Whether it's, like I said, The Walking Dead, um, something on ABC, NBC. She has to have her fingerprints on Disney. She has to have her fingerprints on Marvel. It's just, let somebody else, can we get a breath of fresh air here, please? It's just one of those things, and, and the rest of this is all positive, but this is one of the things that just really is very unnerving for me. You know, it's just, she has to be in everything. And it's it's just, can I please have a deep breath for a second here? Can I enjoy this? Can, can fan bases enjoy being fans without being told how they're not as good as you as a fan? It's just, just stop. It's, 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 it's enough. But the cast itself, as I mentioned, is phenomenal. I mean, you, you look at who's in this, right? Uh, Don Cheadle, uh, Jeremy Renner, Chris Hemsworth, uh, Zoe uh, Saldana, Elizabeth Olsen, Anthony Mackie, Sebastian Stan, uh, Denai uh, Gurria, who was in um, The Walking Dead, awesome actress, uh, Josh Brolin, Ross Marquand, um, Haley Atwell, who definitely flies under the radar a little bit. Um, and I have to say, um, I, I did a Comic-Con in Seattle. I covered it for the podcast. You can find that, I think, on my website at www.mmcpodcast.com. And I met a lot of the Avengers uh, cast in Seattle. And, you know, Don Cheadle, who was War Machine, such a good dude. Jeremy Renner, good man. Chris Hemsworth, I was supposed to meet in Boston, but COVID-19 canceled all, pretty much everything. Uh, Zoe Solan, uh, Saldana was in Seattle. Elizabeth Olsen I met uh, in 2017, I want to say. Anthony Mackie I met in 2017. Sebastian Stan, 2017. Uh, Denai uh, Gurria I met in um, Georgia at, at a Walking Dead convention. Josh Brolin I met in Seattle. He won't do many more uh, Comic-Cons. And Ross Marquand, obviously, a Walking Dead alum. And Peggy, uh, who is Haley Atwell, uh, so underrated. I met her as well. But this cast is just so likable. 
And from a talent point of view, they are as good as they come. They are the best of the best. And like I said earlier, it is 10, at least 10 short, wonderful stories in this huge umbrella of a wonderful movie. And the more time that passes for me, this movie becomes so much more powerful. Like, I love it as the, as the months and the years unfold here. Granted, it came out last year, but as the months go by, I've watched it, I want to say, five, ten times. It really is an instant classic. I mean, people use that term a lot. This is legitimately an instant all-timer. And one of the things I look at, and I reflect on a lot of the characters, I reflect on a lot of the scenes, one of the, which is Thanos, right? He wants to, and people don't know this, they think it's just humans, but he wants to eliminate 50% of the perception is humans, but if you go back and listen to it, the, the Avengers Endgame and watch it, it's 50% of creatures. So that, and I know people are like, well, duh, but no, it's not duh, because many people don't know that he's get, he's, he wants to get rid of 50% of everything. I was always under the assumption that it was just people. So I wonder if that affects, you know, ecological systems, if that affects, you know, but anyways, but I've been thinking about the premise itself. Just eliminating 50%, right? Is the world overcrowded? Would that would there be any benefit to that? When you look at everything that's going on in the world today, all the all the hatred, all the people being just terrible to each other, to borrow f- from John Coffey and the Green Mile, just sick of people being mean to each other. I don't know, like I at, the more that time has unfolded, I'm starting to think maybe Thanos is right. You know, maybe we need to, you know, in this in this fictitious world. You know, maybe he he was onto something. Maybe he was, but then you think about in that fifty percent, there was so many good people, and that's the way you have to look at it. You know, granted, you'd get rid of a lot of the hatred in society, but you'd also eliminate some really good, some really great people. Um, but I also think it's kind of an interesting mix as well because you add Ronan, who is you know when, when Hawkeye loses his family, Jeremy Renner, and he turns into Ronan. You know, he's basically going after cartels. He's going after the uh, uh, Yokuza. He's going after all the bad people that the 50% elimination might have missed. And it's kind of an interesting character. You talk about a movie and a spinoff, and I think one is in production. But Ronan would be a great uh, series or movie. I, I would absolutely be all in for that. But as I mentioned, there are 10 short stories here. And I want to look at them kind of quickly, each of these. Uh, the first being Jeremy Renner, as I mentioned, Hawkeye and his family. Right, the storyline with his family and, and the, the way the movie starts, it's just so powerful. He loses his family, they're having a cookout, and he's looking around and no one's there. And what a way to start the movie. What a powerful way. And then you look at the way he loses himself in that anger of losing his family, right? We talked about the 50%. Yeah, it gets rid of the hatred, it gets rid of these awful people, but it does take the good, right? His family was good. It's just there's a there's a lot to be said about that. So he loses his mind. He he also loses a bit of himself with the loss of Black Widow. So there's a lot there. And that storyline in itself, watching what Hawkeye goes through, it's just you know, losing his family, losing a friend that he loved. Again, it's about loss and love and family. And I don't think I saw that the first time around when I saw this at the theater opening weekend. Yeah, I saw a great superhero movie. But the more I paid attention, the more I watched this movie, I start to see these deeper points, these deeper underlinings, right? I start to see family and love and friendship and we go around once, make it count. That's what I love. That's what I really found 
in this movie after repeated viewings. That's where I found salvation in this movie. That's where I found how great it truly is. And then obviously we look at Tony Stark. My God, talk about that storyline. His daughter Morgan, you know, she's telling him she loves him 3,000. And, you know, he, he was very content, you know, when, they, when they, they're trying to recruit Tony Stark back into the to the fold to, to go back in time and, and, and get the, the stones back from, from Thanos. And he says, you know what? Pointing to his daughter, I got my second chance right here. And could you blame him? Uh, Tony Stark isn't enough for the world. Um, he's enjoying time with his wife. He's enjoying time with Morgan, his, his daughter. Could you blame him for, for, for not wanting to go anywhere? And another beautiful storyline. Like Tony Stark probably has the most going on here. Um, but he he gives it up to try to bring back others that were lost. You talk about selflessness. You can add that to the mix as well. All of these heroes are selfless. So all these wonderful qualities, like, again, I don't want to sound repetitive, but listen, it's family, it's love, it's selflessness, it's relationships, it's rapport, it's giving of oneself. That's what makes this movie so special for me. And no, nobody personifies that more than Tony Stark. Um, we talked about how his daughter says, I love you 3,000. You know, talking about, you know, his failing of Spider-Man and Peter Parker. He takes that to heart. I lost the kid. I lost the kid. He's got this wonderful scene at the be- right after, in the beginning of the movie, right after what happens to Hawkeye. Uh, Tony Stark thinks he's going to die in the plane. He's billions of miles from Earth and... He's doing this recording to his daughter and his wife. Basically just, it's funny. It's sad. It's just this, it's just Robert Downey Jr. That's what, and this is going to sound ridiculous as well, but nobody does Robert Downey Jr. like Robert Downey Jr., right? So take the movie The Judge, which is phenomenal. Robert Downey Jr. was in that. It's very underrated. If you haven't seen it, I highly recommend it. But there's really no difference between Robert Downey Jr. and The Judge and Robert Downey Jr. in The Avengers. It's Robert Downey Jr., but he does it so well. He plays that guy so well, right? And I've said this before on the podcast. It's, you know, Ryan Reynolds is guilty of the same thing and Sylvester Stallone and Arnold, but it's different degrees of, I don't want to say talent, but it's different degrees of of acting. And Robert Downey Jr. is at the top of that, right? I'm not saying he doesn't have range. I'm just saying he's really good at being this guy. That's what Robert Downey Jr. is really, really good at. And, you know, you, you talk about how hard he took the the, uh, the losing of Peter Parker, um, the, the the message he lived in space, his funeral. I mean, my gosh, his funeral. I mean, you talk about an outpouring of tears and love and and remembrance. And to me, the most powerful though with Tony Stark comes with um, his um, when he goes back in time to see and he's talking to his father, Howard Stark, and they're having this just conversation and Howard is talking to Tony about he's about to have this child which obviously is Tony but he's back in time so he's you know he's basically talking about himself and they're having this dialogue about you know having a child and what he's worried about and Tony is kind of in a pickle here because he's no he knows that his father is talking about him and he also knows he hasn't talked to his father in a while so it's kind of a chance to talk to his dad one more time. And in my personal life, what I wouldn't give for that opportunity to have one more um, 
conversation with my father. So that's that's a part of it that I really love. That's a that's a really kind of again fitting in with the theme. It's just really really well done. It's just it's just very powerful, and it's more than just a quote unquote superhero movie. It's a movie that again is about family and love and all the stuff I've been talking about. But that part of the movie, the part where he and Captain America sneak into the the military base and when we catch our conversation with Tony and, and, and Howard Stark, it just, to me, I was just floored by that. I was, and, and you add it all up, right? So that part of the movie, right? We, we've gone through Hawkeye. You take Tony Stark, what he went through, all the stuff he's giving up to make the world a better place, to make it whole again. That, it's just so beautiful. Like that is just, for me, those two storylines alone are phenomenal. And that carries us over to Ant-Man, right? Ant-Man, who was played by Paul Rudd, is not, he's goofy, but he's not a goof, right? There's a part in the movie where he's talking to Tony Stark about going back in time and not changing things and not betting on sports. And <laughs> Tony Stark looks at him and says, well, are, is this, are you getting your knowledge on time travel based on Back to the Future? So it's a really awesome part. Like, again, comedy really underrated in this movie, right? Uh, this movie infuses comedy and sadness and drama and action and Find me a movie that does all this. I mean, that's why it's just so really well done. But Ant-Man kind of takes a huge role here. Like, without Ant-Man, there's no redemption here. The world is still at 50%. It's because of Paul Rudd's character and Ant-Man that we have this second chance to go back and do things and make it right. And I really am impressed by how they went back and how both um, Anthony and Joe Russo didn't make this a cheesy time travel movie, right? The way they walked their steps back, oh my God. So clever, so well done. Just very articulate, not skipping out, not taking the easy way out. Absolutely love the way they did that. You know, and Ant-Man, when he comes back, because if, and I'm not going to go through all the history, but he was he was in another vortex, you could say, when uh Thanos snapped his fingers, so he wasn't affected, but then he comes back. It's like a one in a billion chance, Tony Stark says, and he comes back, and when he drives up to the gate where the Avengers um, you know, headquarters are located and Black Widow and Captain America are there, they're stunned to see him. They thought he was gone. And then we unfold with you know Ant-Man going through and making sure his daughter didn't pass, and when he sees his daughter didn't pass, he knocks on the door at, of his own house, and he sees his daughter, gives her a big hug again. We go back to family and 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 so it's so it's just the depth here and, and I know I'm being a little bit repetitive, but I, I want people to see that this is so much more than a comic book movie. It's it's infinitely better than that. Um, one of the other things is you know is Thor. Um, I love Thor because Fat Thor reminds me of myself. Right, he likes Fortnite, he likes beer, he has an awesome beard. There's just so much to love about Thor. Um, Chris Hemsworth is just a great, great actor. Um, I love the way he does. You know, the movie. If you if you've never seen the movie Rush, take a look at that. It's a it's a Formula One movie. He is so good in that, and he just he doesn't like letting people down, right? And like Tony Stark, he has a chance to go back in time and speak with his mother, and it's just so well done. And they joke about his weight and they make this, he's just one of the bright spots, a huge bright spot in this Avengers universe. Thor is of such importance. Um, Thor Ragnarok is one of the more underrated movies I feel like in the Marvel universe. 
but the conversation he has with his mother, things, things that are left unsaid are now said. I mean, how many of us wish we had that opportunity with somebody that we loved and lost? You know, to go back and just say, just have that 10-minute conversation. One more. I, I don't know if that would be more painful or less. I, I, I don't know. I mean, but the chance to get that off your chest, the chance to get that off your chest, to me, would seem like, I don't know. It, 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 I'm beyond words when I think about that. I just, I think that would be so powerful. And I, I would personally love to do that. Um, I really love the emergence of Doctor Strange. I feel like his storyline in itself is an amazing one. But when we come down to it, all of these, and, and I have a few more of these to want to analyze, but when it comes down to it, you know, how far would you go to save a loved one? That's what this all is, right? People risking their lives, going back in time, not coming back. Black Widow is a great example of that. Tony Stark is a great example of that. Had life made, but decided to give it up to try to make the world a better place, to try to save some people. Black Widow, exactly the same thing. Just a phenomenal job of giving of herself to undo what Thanos did, right? And we have these, in real life, our military are these heroes, right? Our civil rights leaders are these heroes. Our police are these heroes. But... You know these superheroes on screen personify that. They're, that it's these are the fictional examples of the people that we have in real life. And speaking of heroes, last but not least, is Captain America, Chris Evans. And I can tell you that I've been to many comic cons. No one is more popular than Chris Evans. I mean, Andrew Lincoln in the Walking Dead universe is kind of close in its own way, but Chris Evans universally is by far the most popular celebrity I think I've seen. Um, I could tell you I just had a guest on, Bill Axaferis, who was in the uh, the Apple Plus uh, show, Defending Jacob. A great actor, by the way, Bill is. And he worked with Chris Evans and just could not stop saying enough nice things about him. He's such a good guy. And I think people see that. I think that's what resonates with Chris Evans, is that he's a good guy. You know that he's a good guy off camera. You just know it, right? And that's, what, that's part of the appeal. And on screen, I mean, the guy's a smoke show. He looks phenomenal. And his acting can back up the way he looks. Like, I can't. There's some people that look really well, and you know, there's actors of all looks and abilities, just like people, right? And there's all ranges of. He looks like a million dollars. He acts. His acting ability is as good as his looks are. He's got everything, and he does it really well. And that's a, a large part of what makes him special. Then you add in how kind he is. Forget it. I mean, it's the the appeal is his appeal is all over the place, and and I get it. But Captain America is a very interesting character, right? Captain America starts off using a gun, doesn't use a gun, you know, after a while uses the shield. That's an interesting perspective. Um, what he gave up, what Chris Evans gave Chris Evans could have lived forever as Captain America. Could have, could, have, could have lived forever. But he gives it up to spend time, using Tony Stark's advice, I might add, to spend time in his life, to go back in time, to do things over again and spend the rest of his years aging and spend that with Peggy Carter, who was played by Haley Atwell, who I also met in Seattle. And Peggy Carter's phenomenal, by the way. She's a great actor, Haley Atwell. But he, he decides to spend his life with Peggy. He feels that those 70 years were a good trade-off for immortality. And it's such an awesome scene at the end where... um. Uh, what's his name? Anthony Mackie's character, uh, Falcon, says to uh, Captain America, he says, um, you know, basically, you know, tell me about it. How it, 
He goes, no, I don't think I will. You know, and I think that part of it is just so special. Like, you see that Chris Evans, he's confirming that trading immortality and trading being a superhero, trading all of that to be with the love of his life was completely worth it. And to me, again, like the five or six characters I've read before this, screams of selflessness and family and love and we get one chance to do this thing let's do it right and he realized that it was worth 70 years was worth the trade-off for immortality think about that let that sink in let that process this so everything i've brought to you in the 28 minutes of this uh of this episode think about all of it and i didn't see any of this the first time around i mean i did but i didn't process it and the more you, I think about this movie, the more it truthfully hits home. And I don't know, even there's a little scene with Chris Evans. And he's at this meeting in Avengers Endgame. It's basically uh, similar to an AA meeting or uh, um, any type of you know anonymous group. And they're all sitting in a circle. And Steve Rogers addresses everyone in this really poignant, beautiful heartfelt speech and that's it that's those little brave baby steps we got to take to try and become whole again try and find purpose i went in the ice in 45 right after i met the love of my life woke up 70 years later you gotta move on you gotta move on world is in our hands it's left to us guys and we gotta do something with it otherwise Thanos should have killed all of us the same way I feel that Robert Downey Jr. was born to play Tony Stark I absolutely feel that Chris Evans was born to play Captain America and I just want to add I think Anthony Mackie is going to make one hell of a Captain America. I think he's going to be phenomenal in that role. Um, I hope they go in that direction. But I have to say, it's just that scene, it's just, I, I don't know, to me, and when I hear Martin Scorsese talk about what Marvel movies are, and he's talking about blue screen and CGI and this and that, and he's crapping on Marvel movies, it's like, first off, I saw The Irishman. Martin Scorsese probably shouldn't have said much after that. Like, the fact that that was nominated blows me away. It's just a really, it's not a good movie. Like, I was at the point where I was calling it just okay a while last year. The Irishman is not good at all. And for some reason, he didn't leave it there. Scorsese, who is a genius and one of the best directors in the history of cinema, for no reason out of the blue, just shits on Marvel. Like, are you kidding me? This movie, the movie that I'm analyzing right now and everything I'm pointing out, I, I, Martin Scorsese should be so lucky to have to have another movie that's half as good as this. Uh, I'm not going to get on a, on a hate tangent, but I, I didn't want to go much further without mentioning the great soundtrack by Alan Silvestri, the great cinematography in this movie. Um, but I say just one more quick negative thing. It's not really negative. I'm sticking up for something here. But boy, I got to tell you, on the comic book websites, on Facebook, the superhero pages, boy, do they love to crap on 
and just really speak poorly about Brie Larson, Captain Marvel. I've never seen anything like it in my life. Like these guys are living in their mom's basement, laying on the couch, brushing Cheetos off their chest, going to their computer, being, you know, internet tough guys, and just just dismantling what Captain Marvel is. Captain Marvel's phenomenal. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Brie Larson is phenomenal in this role. And she's a huge reason why this movie works. And I just don't think it's fair for these people just to... They go. They have targets. I'm telling you, it's like unbelievable. In the Star Wars universe, it's ten times worse. But one of the targets in by these hateful nerds is... I'm telling you, it's... Brie Larson is up there. There's a couple other characters that they're not okay with. But I, I just don't get it. There's no rhyme or reason. When you call them out on it, they say, oh, it's the dialogue. It's this. She's over the top. Give me a break. Won an Academy Award. Stop it. Stop. You know, the reason, one of the biggest reasons why this movie works is because of Brie Larson and Captain Marvel. And that might be, not be popular with some people, but it's a fact. It's, it's, it's an absolute fact. And there are things I've seen where they, oh, the, stat, the, the, the cast doesn't get along with her, this or that. People fabricate and mix and mesh things. And even if people don't like her, the movie works. And that's all that matters. Like, I, I don't care about if one actor likes another actor off screen. I don't care. Like, what does the product look like? If I watch a football game or a football team and they go an entire season to win the Super Bowl, I don't care that the quarterback and the wide receiver didn't get along all year. But when they step on the field, they become professional and they make it work. That's all I care about. I don't, I don't care. Like, you, know, you know, I don't care that they're not best friends and they don't go out for beers um, w- when they're not working. Just make it work when it's supposed to be working. That's all I care about. And, and this movie works beyond phenomenally well. But it's definitely this Captain Marvel. Definitely, I felt uh, stole the show. I would love to see a Ronin. Like I talked about at the beginning, a Ronin spinoff. Um, I really think that character has a lot. But I think um, Hawkeye is in a better place, you know, at this point. But you know, the other thing too that should be said about Marvel, especially the Avengers Endgame, is that gender, race, sexuality holds no creed in the Marvel universe. It's just people working together as one. Again, life imitate it should be life trying to imitate art because they got it down right. And you'd like to think that our society in real life, although not utopious, would certainly look like a Marvel movie looks, right? Where your sexuality, your race, your gender, all that doesn't matter. We're all in this for a common thing. We're all in, we get one shot at this thing, right? Another common theme in this. We get one shot at this. Got to make it work. Got to make it work. And that's that's what I, that's kind of everything I've been taking out of this movie after many, many times of, of viewing this after the initial uh, uh, opening weekend. Um, you know, nothing comes close to Shawshank Redemption ending. I always throw in Shawshank in all my episodes, but I all, but I feel like this is pretty close to a comic book movie. This is as, as good an ending as you'll ever get, right? They, they, they don't leave any open, you know, um, storylines. They kind of close everything up to a certain degree. Yes, you wonder, you know, there's Disney Plus is going to throw out some things in the future, I think, and we'll have movies that stem from this. But I think that's a good thing, right? And I, and I don't think they limit themselves by that. And they also, after watching this movie, I think you get a, a really good feeling about Marvel moving forward. Star Wars 2. In defense of Star Wars, Mandalorian. Um, there's a Ben Kenobi series coming out. So I hope Disney turns it around a little bit because... There's no reason 
why Marvel is hitting home runs with these movies. And and I know Carrie Fisher's death is part of it, but why are we struggling so much with Star Wars? Like, no one argues that Endgame is not a home run. People will argue on how good, and believe me, they will. it's a hateful, hateful group of people that do this, but they will argue on how good The Force Awakens is, they will argue how good The Rise of Skywalker is, they will argue how good The Last Jedi is, uh, the amount of heat Ryan Johnson has taken. So there is a huge difference in perception between Marvel and the Avengers and the Star what Disney has done with Star Wars. So Disney has to get their act on straight. Their act straight. I don't care if they do it via Disney Plus. I don't care if they do it in the theater. But let's get the let's get it back on track. Both. I mean, not both, but Marvel's fine. But let's get Star Wars back on track as well. Let's get people loving Star Wars again, like they love Endgame and Marvel and the Avengers and these wonderful characters. Right. The one another one of the great things that this the Marvel movie does, this Marvel movie does, is when I saw Empire Strikes Back in the theater, when I saw Star Wars: um, A New Hope or Return of the Jedi. There was this relationship I had with these characters. You know, Han Solo, Luke Skywalker, Princess Leia, Chewbacca, R2-D2, C-3PO. It was just this genuine love and a feeling of nostalgia and just comfort and coziness is probably a weird word to use. But it was just this great rapport with these fictional characters. You know, when Disney came back at Star Wars again, that was all gone. There was nobody you could really relate to. There's a few. I mean, I guess BB-8 and a few others, but... Avengers Endgame, you have this feeling with almost everybody. Thor, Captain America, Hawkeye, you know, even Gamora, the Scarlet Witch, Falcon, you know, Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier. All these characters, you believe what they are. War Machine, Don Cheadle, can't leave him, him out. Like, that's what makes it so special. Like, it's all about relationships. It's all about relationships. And I think we've we've strayed from that, you know, in, in other worlds. And that's in other, you know, science fiction worlds and other Disney worlds, you know. But, but Marvel didn't lose that. They didn't lose that. That's what makes this so special, relationships. And, you know, uh, one of the best quotes I think of this is, no amount of money ever bought a second of time. It's one of Tony Stark's quotes. And I got to tell you, I think about that all the time. It's just so well said, right? Time is the ultimate currency. In a movie that's about time travel, and a movie that's about making things right, a movie that's about appreciating every moment, a movie that's about valuing time more than anything. Boy, is that a is that a poignant quote? You know, it, it, it you know, no amount of money ever bought a second of time. I mean, I think about that quote a lot. Like that quote alone gets me just thinking, and um, I love it. But. I hope you've enjoyed the first episode of the Monday Morning Critic Movie Loft, the Monday Movie Loft. I, you know, I, I've really worked hard putting this together. Hopefully, it wasn't too boring. It's going to be a shade under forty minutes, and um, I will be all over the place. It won't be just comic book movies. It won't be just superhero movies. I will be all over the place with reviewing movies. Hopefully, there's something for everyone. Hopefully, that there's enough to keep you coming back again. Um, thank you so much for listening. Thank you if you're a returning listener. Thank you so much if. This is your first time. I hope I did enough to make you come back for one more, at least one more uh, listen. Um, you can find me on Facebook at Monday Morning Critic. You can find me at Twitter at MDM Critic. You can find me on Instagram on Monday Morning Critic. You want to shoot me an email? It's Monday Morning Critic at gmail.com. And that's it. Thanks so much for listening. And I hope you enjoyed the, the very first episode of the Monday Movie Loft. Thanks. Every day.
close to me There's so much I feel that I should say But words can wait until some other day Kiss me twice, then kiss me once again. It's been a long, long time. Haven't felt like this, my dear, since can't remember when. It's been a long, long time. You'll never know. Again, it's been a long, long time.